In this part two of the Botchtiva Christmas special, Christmas in Vienna, we hear the beloved memories of 10 individuals from across Austria. From old Christmas Eve traditions with food and family to newer customs like the Bethlehem Light of Peace, these stories will enchant you with the holiday spirit. I grew up on a farm on the south side of the Austrian Alps, where tradition and customs played a very significant role across the four generations that, that lived in our house. There were the elders, and I'm not just talking about my grandparents, but also great-grand-uncles and aunts that lived with us. And they passed down ancient stories and old beliefs. And I really want to say that the magic of those times has, has not really lost its spell to this day. I mean, traditionally, you would write a letter to the Christmas angel, to the, to the Christkind. You would put the letter outside of the window, and then magically it would get to the, the Christ child, and then it would know what you wanted for Christmas. And then if you really got it, of course, if you behaved well and were a good boy or girl, uh, you would get those things. And then really getting them, opening the package and hoping it's in there, and then it's in there. I mean, this was amazing. In Tyrol, traditionally, we didn't have uh, Santa Claus. Uh, for Christmas, the, the figure who would bring the Christmas gifts was an angel. And this angel, uh, we were told, you know, would show up and, and bring the gifts and then fly away, disappear, but very often would leave hair behind, golden hair. The grown-ups would leave golden hair on the Christmas tree and so on, or in the apartment somewhere or in the house, as an evidence that uh, this Christkind, the Christ child, which was uh, shown or, or pictured as an angel, as a female angel normally was visiting. And this was all very magic, of course. As a child, this is, I think, one of the markers of childhood that you still believe in magic. On Christmas Eve itself, we as, as children, we were very curious and excited, of course. The living room was already locked early in the morning and our parents made secret preparations while, while everyone was busy on the farm. The elder were trying to keep us engaged, you know, trying to give us some chores, extra chores, whatever. We were happy to take them. So we had our usual chores to do or just played in the snow. There were always tons of snow. That's what I remember when I think about Christmas in Austria. We prepared maybe on Heiliger Abend, which is the 24th. That's in Austria when the gifts are being given out. So not on the morning of the 25th, but the evening of the 24th, the Heiliger Abend, it's called the Holy Evening. Even though I've lived abroad for a long time, uh, I've never spent Christmas anywhere else than in my hometown where my parents still live. Um, so it's always, it's a little village in Upper Austria. So this is the first place that comes to mind and my parents' house sort of being nicely decorated and smelling of gingerbread and maybe having a ginger house. And very kitschy, very kitschy memories. <laughs> Things change uh, over the years, but there are some traditions that my family has kept throughout. One is uh, to decorate the tree together um, and it is always a live tree, a small one that we can then plant. And so we would get the, the different decorations out of from the basement and then decorate the tree together. 
we don't we never really put up the christmas tree until the day of christmas so the 24th is when the big christmas happens in austria it's not like here because now it's like before thanksgiving and i'm already seeing all the christmas trees up that was never the case in my family so christkind the christ child always brought the tree as well or or so my parents said um, and i believed of course picking the christmas tree ahead of time making sure it really looked nice and even if it was a little bit more costly to get a nice tree was was always very important a well-grown tree tree and also the challenge to keep it fresh so the needles would fall wouldn't fall down um, and then decorating there was kind of traditional decorations that were used for decades in the family it was not like that every year they would decorate the tree differently there were these decorations that were in the family for for many years and they were used year after year we were using real candles on the tree i remember coming into the room when the bell rang and we were allowed to go into the room where the christmas tree was and then see all the lights and the candles specific smell of course those candles as child of course i wouldn't think about the dangers of a christmas tree like that sure enough there were many fires uh during the christmas season because of these christmas trees and and uh and the candles we put up the christmas tree with the krippe around it the krippe is sort of the nativity scene you know and the krippe was sort of very important to us kids because it in a way allowed us to show our creativity a bit by putting together the figures the way we wanted to but in a way it started much earlier because uh, uh, we collected moss in the forest maybe in weeks before when it was not snowy yet uh, collected moss and stored it in the house and then when we put the krippe together we put down the moss and we got out the figures. We had a set of figures, of course, the nativity scene, but also shepherds and various animals and cows and so forth. So putting the krippe together was, was a very important part of, of Christmas. And of course, at the same time, the Christmas tree, but we left that more to the girls uh, and the boys probably would work more on the krippe. This, this would happen in the course of the day. The Christmas Eve meeting Heiliger Abend is when the gifts were being given. So usually the way it unfolded is we would uh, stand around the krippe and the Christmas tree. Lights were put on, believe it or not, uh, real lights, uh, uh, you know, flickering lights. Uh, with, uh, I mean, the tree was still fresh at this point. So the danger of a fire was not as big, but I still thinking back, uh, think that is quite something. Many of Austria's cultural traditions can be traced back thousands of years, but the country has never stopped creating new traditions, such as the case with the Bethlehem Light of Peace, known to Austrians as the Friedenslicht. We, we had another significant tradition that we held up very high in our family, and that was thatching the piece of light on Christmas Eve. That day we had to accompany our grandfather to collect piece of light from our church. So this allowed our parents some time to, to decorate the Christmas tree and place gifts underneath because the, that was important. The, the decoration of the Christmas tree happened at the day of Christmas Eve and not days or weeks before. So that's something that still bothers me when I see Christmas trees um, early in the year. But the, the Friedenslicht, I don't, I don't want to say, maybe the light of peace or the peace of light, I don't know. Well, it happens that a child 
lit a candle in the Nativity Grotto in Bethlehem, symbolizing Christmas peace. And on the evening of December 24th, the light is distributed and taken to churches worldwide um, where believers used used it to light their lanterns and, and then maybe later the candles on their Christmas trees. So we always lit our Christmas tree with the light of peace. Originating in 1987, the light of peace has quickly become a beloved part of Christmas festivities. Every year, hundreds of Austrians, led by a specially chosen child, make a pilgrimage to Israel's West Bank. There, they retrieve an active flame from the Nativity of Christ in the city of Bethlehem. The flame is then carefully transported back to Austria and shared with the celebrants from Innsbruck to Vienna, symbolizing peace and unity among all who maintain it. I remember that as a child there was a girl um, that I grew up with who was sent uh, to Bethlehem to pick up the light. There was still this light and we go and pick that up and then we light all the candles in the house with this particular flame. And specifically in my house, I mean, we would meet people at the, at the chapel. So it's a very nice way to start Christmas Eve. Um, but then in, in the village where I grew up in, it's quite traditional to have um, only a family Christmas. So it would maybe be the grandparents who would come, but mostly it's just really parents and the children. And in, in my family specifically, this is still the case. So even though me and my siblings are all grown up, we still come, the three of us, to my parents' house and we celebrate the five of us. So it's quite a small celebration. And then the bigger celebrations with extended family, partners, etc., are um, the day after or the day after that. I'm thinking about uh, Tirol and Innsbruck. Um, that's where I'm from and I grew up and that's where my parents still are. Think about the 23rd and 24th of uh, December and that's like when the magic happens basically. On the 23rd my mom and I are decorating the Christmas tree while my dad is actually already prepping the meat fondue, which is what we're having on the 24th at night for the Christmas dinner. So when he's prepping the kitchen, cleaning the kitchen and puts on very loud Christmas music, actually Barry Manilow. So the Christmas album from Barry Manilow blasts through the speakers while my mom and I are decorating the Christmas tree. Whereas in Austria, you know, in 24th in the morning, you still have to rush to get everything ready. And then the sun sets silent, like special night on the 24th when you celebrate. So I usually find the the 24th is the magical Christmas to me. You know, you have the the big dinners in my family. We would we always eat the fondue and raclette on the 24th in the evening and have that big dinner. What's crazy to me is that on the 26th you can already go to the stores again and everything is open and stuff because in Austria it's really, you know, 25th and 26th are still days off as well that you would spend with family and no store is open, nothing is open. After meal, the light goes down and the Christmas story was read and prayers were said remembering and praying for the departed, for family members that have died. And then came the highlights, the, the ringing of the Christ child bell from the locked living room. It was so mystical for us children. The Christ child itself seemed to appear illuminating the Christmas tree with the peace light and disappearing unnoticed into the night after that. So 
When that happened, the door opened and the magic of Christmas filled the house. That was a very magical moment. In the evening, you would have like to hide um, in your room and then you would look out the window to like see a very bright star that would be like the Christkind. I was very gullible. Like I definitely believed that a Christkind, because it's so small, it needed help from my father carrying presents. So I completely understood why my father was never with me in the room looking out for the Christkind, just me and my mom and my grandma. And then you would hear like a bell and that meant the Christkind was there and you go into the room and it's like the tree is completely illuminated. And my parents would always have a gift for me from the Christkind, which they pretended not to know. It's all these traditions that kind of get lost when you are too old. Of course, there always pops up something into my mind that makes me smile and, and, and I love to think back to the old days when we celebrated Christmas with our family. It was always, always a big family. It was not just my parents and us four. It was always my grandparents, my grand aunts and uncles, and sometimes even um, visitors. So it was always a big celebration, very spectacular and mystical at the same time, very magical. Very important part of Christmas Eve is that you went to, to the Mete. That was midnight mass. Remember, this is a very Catholic uh, village, uh, so everybody went to Mete to midnight mass. It was sort of exciting. If you got clothing, you put your new clothing on, and you saw, you know, your friends in church who also might have new clothing, and everybody, you know, uh, uh, paid attention to that. What is very different today from then, from when I grew up, is that at that time. In my youth, there was still lots of snow usually when you went to midnight mass. You had to trot through the snow. Sometimes it even snowed, which would be wonderful on a Christmas evening. At one point, you sang Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, uh, which sort of is the famous Austrian Christmas song, that uh, a silent night that still is being sung in American churches too. You sort of get the impression, you know, how important religion was in terms of uh, putting together the krippe and the Christmas tree. It's traditional that Austrian families sing in front of the Christmas tree before you open the gift. So my family, we would always sing uh, O Tannenbaum and Stille Nacht. Stille Nacht is actually a song written um, in Austria, so the silent night. It's still very important to my family, even though we're not uh, great singers at all, <laughs> um, to sing together at least one or two songs. With origins in Germanic mythology, the Raunechte, or Smoke Nights, are a tradition celebrated over the 12 days following Christmas Eve. During the Smoke Nights, it's common for Austrians to burn incense, clean the house, or even light fireworks as they prepare to embrace the new year and wave goodbye to the last. Some Austrians believe it becomes possible for humans to understand the language of animals. It's the practice or the ritual known as smoking during the nights of the so-called Raunechte. Raunechte are 12 specific nights around the turn of the year. And in our tradition, it comes from Rau, meaning rough, or Rauch, that means smoke. Nacht means night, of course. So I want to say freely translated to English, it means rough night or smoke night. This smoke ritual plays a very significant role. It aims to drive away ghosts and demons that carry out their nefarious deeds during these Rauhnächte. 
So it's a it's a very magical period steeped in ancient customs and deep rooted beliefs. Folklore, as well as my grandmother, claimed that during these nights the spirit realm is open and the souls of the de departed roamed freely. My my grandmother always spoke of the stormy forces of midwinter that steer and float around during those twelve nights, those twelve rough nights, smoke nights, as we call it. This activity was known as the wilde Jagd or the wild hunt. And these spirits try to mess with you. So to ward off misfortune, smoking rituals were performed on the three most important rough nights. And one of them were Christmas Eve. Uh, the, the purpose or the sense of this ritual was to, to establish order and purity protecting against malevolent spirits spirits in the house and on our farm. So I remember very well that our great uncle Hans, he was not really our uncle, but he used to live with us on the farm since he was a child. He always led the ritual of smoking. Accompanied by us children, it was me, my sister and our two little brothers, Hans moved through the house from room to room with a censer that was filled with herbs and consecrated palm leaves from Easter. And that was very important. It, it has to be consecrated palm leaves from Easter. My grandmother would never allow us to put anything else in there. We kids were following him and his censer with cups filled with holy water and sprinkled, some of them spilled the water in the rooms while the Hail Mary was recited in cannons. And we moved from room to room and through the stable to bless the animals. When, when I talk or think about that, it, it was very mystical, but it was, it was basically a cleansing ritual to gratefully bid farewell to the old year and, and clean it from old spirits and to welcome the new year with blessings. In the evening, those customs began, oh, the traditions, the Christmas traditions began. We traversed the house, the stable, the barns to drive away spirits with our smoking ritual and prayed for blessings in the, in the coming year. Well, I want to point out maybe the journey through the stable that was particularly exciting because as the legend goes, animals were able to speak in this night and complain about their masters if they have to. So therefore we took extra care of our animals that night, especially the newborn calves and the elderly cows. There was a tradition in Tyrol like a, a folk tradition. People were saying, and now humans cannot understand the animals, but the animals have a language too. They talk to each other. That's something we were told as children, of course. And there is only one evening in the year when humans can hear and understand uh, what the animals are talking, what they're saying. And that's for Christmas, Christmas Eve that I thought, okay, I really want to know what they're saying, what they're talking about us, the animals on the farm, what they say about us. And then I sneak very quietly into the barn where the animals uh, living or, you know, where were held. I was hiding there and very quietly I uh, was hoping, you know, to, to hear them speak and was very excited about that. But as you can imagine, it did not work out. I did not understand them, just like any other 
or evening during the year. And then I was very disappointed. And, and when I came back, I told the grown-ups, uh, yeah, that doesn't work. I didn't, I didn't understand them and, and what's wrong. And the grown-ups told me, yeah, that's probably because they noticed you were there and that's why it didn't work. And that was a perfectly okay explanation for me. Christmas is family. It's like really the time where everybody gets together. I feel like the older get, I think that the less stressful it becomes. I think sometimes people think of fam uh, of Christmas like, oh my God, it's stressful. Everybody, is, everything is hectic. But I feel like once children are not children anymore, but like grown ups, then everybody is just really having a good time, coming together, sitting, talking, eating, drinking, and just being together. And I think that is something like that the family thing about it that that's what makes it so special actually uh, my parents are divorced but when the first thing i think about when it, um, when it comes to christmas is my parents together because christmas is one of the rare times we would spend again as a family my mom my dad and i we are cooking and preparing the whole day we have like a eight course menu in the evening because we make so much food and we all love to eat I grew up in a country where everyone does Christmas. It has never had any religious connotation for me at all. Like, I'm not baptized, I was raised completely atheist. I do have to say, like, because of that, once you stop believing into the Christkind, a lot of the traditions get lost. So I tried to pretend for a long time that I still believed in the Christkind, uh, but my parents didn't believe me that I was still believing in it. If we do not hold traditions up high, those beliefs that are connected to Christmas, then they might get lost. That happens too easily. If, if you will miss one generation not passing those traditions, then you might not catch up in the next generation. So just understanding between me and my husband, for example, he never, he never had those traditions uh, celebrating in his family. So now it's me bringing in those traditions to our new little family. And I think that is just beautiful and important. I think for many of us, uh, celebrating Christmas is, is always hoping that this feeling, this sense of, of miracles, of, won of wonder is coming back a little bit. I think this is the hope, even as a grown up, that you get this a little bit back, that, that this feeling comes back to a certain extent. And if you have your own kids, of course, to see that in your own kids. And that's a way to get it back for yourself as well. Thank you for tuning in to part two of Christmas in Vienna. And thank you again to the 10 individuals who shared their stories. I hope you enjoyed them. Please like and subscribe to make sure you don't miss the final part coming soon and the full special releasing just before Christmas Eve. To learn more about the individuals who shared their stories, follow the links in the description. Frohe Weihnachten, Merry Christmas, and goodbye for now.